So we got the pre to the episode here. We're sitting here and seeing how many people it takes to open a bead right now. Well, we're handicapping ourselves right at the start with uh, our backup to the backup opener. <laughs> to the backup to the backup. All right. All right. All right. You ready? Here, we're going to hold the hip hop. It's like. Oh, I oh, see it. Move oh, it. Oh. It's like dynamite almost, but you're going the other way. Luckily, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't too carbonated. You imagine the sound on that. Can I tell you? That was tough. Uh, over the weekend, we opened a beer at my mom's house, and it was so carbonated, it shot up and hit the ceiling. Oh, God. Yeah, so you know like what? The, I'll show you afterwards on the ceiling out there. There's like this spot uh, from one of the 450s that we had that just blew. <laughs> and we're like, oh, jeez. Oh, that so, ferments it. For you guys that are watching on YouTube, you get, a ch- you get a chance to see what happens before the episode. So on this episode, we've got a special guest here from Deadwood Meadery. we got the man, the owner, the brains behind the operation we got mr tom here how's it going tom good good how are you guys doing today we're Pretty doing good. good we're doing good so jp and i stopped in what was it two weekends ago yes two and Saturdays that ago. was our first time and when we first got there uh gabby and i were there first and i gotta say we were really taken away of how you have your space laid out Thank and you. We, it's very warm and welcome and it was really cool to see that you guys actually have board games there for people to play so we yes. were like oh man this is like a cool little little spot to hang out at and then we decided to do uh the the flight of all nine meads you had and yep. let me tell you you got some really good meads my man Oh, I appreciate that. And you got some pretty good cheese. Yeah, we try to we try to give people the ultimate experience. I mean, if you're going to stop into a meadery in the Las Vegas Valley, you might as well make it worth your time and make the experience everything it can possibly be. Yeah, and so my mom, I was telling you this before the podcast, my mom's not a huge beer person, and this was the first beer slash mead that she's ever had that she really enjoyed, so I think you might be seeing me uh, this weekend, so... <laughs> I, I mean, we love our regulars, so right. what can I say? <laughs> right. So, JB, what are you pouring right here for us? So, I'm pouring two of the meads that we got the first time we were there. Uh, the Midnight Society. Uh, this one's going to be a blueberry mead with Earl Grey tea. So, always love when a mead has some cool combination or something different into it. And as people know, uh, Heron Brews right here is very into tea. It doesn't Debro is. Yes. Um, we could go down a rabbit hole with that, but you guys should yeah. know a little bit about that. We'll talk about it another time. The second one we're going into is lime and the coconut, lime mead with coconut and coconut water. So we'll turn it over to Tom to kind of tell a little bit about the meter itself, why you started it, kind of like how things came along, and then we'll jump into these and you could give a little bit more about it. Yeah, sure. So um, I started, I've been a bartender for years, and I started essentially trying to find something different to play around with to create new inventive cocktails. So after scouring through all of my recipe books and textbooks, I came across a little two-paragraph blurb on mead and said, all right, well, that's different, and I haven't seen that, and honey sounds like a nice thing to incorporate into cocktails. So I dove into that, and also the nth-level dork in me had to know exactly how alcohol was made, otherwise I couldn't really be a good bartender. So. Uh, a home brewer who I worked with approached and said, hey, well, have you tried making meat? It seems simple enough, and it relatively was, and so I started making it, and then I got to explore some other commercial meats and saw how much depth there was 
and how much uh, just applicability there was for the product across the board on how much you could flavor it and change it. And so I started doing that and realized that I wanted to make meat as good as the ones that I've tried without having to fly, drive, or take a vacation somewhere. And um, shortly people started asking me, hey, like, do you have an extra bottle? Is there anything that I could buy? And I said, not really, but we'll try. And yeah, so uh, I just kept at it and decided when we had the, uh, the shutdown that it was a good time to put brass tacks to it and see if it was reasonable to make the venture. And uh, after crunching the numbers, I said, all right, let's put what we have behind us and try for something new. Nice. That's always cool to hear, and like to see to hear that you did it during the pandemic. It's kind of cool because uh, Heron over the pandemic he took up uh, uh, bread making, so like it's kind of cool <laughs> to hear all the different like hobbies that everybody's like picked up during the pandemic. That's like really cool. And by the way, if Heron comes through, you gotta ask him to bring you sour. I was gonna say I was like I'm gonna expect a loaf of sour yeah. now. Yeah. Just, yeah. That's yeah. the way it goes. And it was actually before the pandemic because during the pandemic you couldn't find flour. Yep. Like uh, so, you know, oh, like so you gotta start Yeah, it, it was tough. Yeah. And let me tell you, his nickname is Bread Jesus. <laughs> so like I'm gonna tell you, he his bread lives up to that high extent, high standard that we have. So, um, so. Out of the beers, like I do have one question for you. Sure. For the lime and the coconut. Yeah. How it's many mead. times or yeah. meads, my bad. My bad. <laughs> for the mead, how many times do you have somebody come into your shop singing, put the lime in the coconut still or all around? Not enough. What? Not enough. I mean if Half the people would say that. I might start getting annoyed. I'm just waiting to hear it, singing through, the, just chanting through the entire meadery. Like I'm, I want it, but apparently, it's at that age demographic where, uh, you know, not everyone's gonna quite get the the yeah. nod. But when somebody does, they're like, "So do you mix it up?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, You're like, "I'm shutting this down before yeah, it happens." Absolutely. Okay. Shut, shut it down. I'm sorry if somebody comes in there and starts singing the song now. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's all your fault. <laughs> it's all my fault. I'll take the blame on that one. But since you mentioned it, let's jump into this lime and the coconut and cheers it up. And Just then we'll the have color on this. Tom kind of go through the explanation of this one and kind of what inspired you. And I mean, it's probably one of my favorites. I think last time I was there, bumped to number two. Yeah. But I can't talk <laughs> about that one yet. So cheers, guys. Well, thank you. Thank you. So this mead was essentially done because I hadn't seen a lot of citrus meads uh -huh. on the market commercially at all. And I was looking for something that I said, okay, well, mead is typically known for being your sweeter, deeper, and most common things you'll see are berries and stone fruits. So I wanted to try something that was going to be a little different and that could express itself a little differently than most meads you'd find. So I said, okay, something in high in acid like a lime mead would be perfect, but lime is a very assertive and just straight and thin flavor so how do i prevent the mead from becoming too tart and basically you know not pleasing to the palate so um rather than including any kind of chemicals or anything like that we use natural agents to create flavor profiles so by adding coconut water and coconut we were able to add a silken mouthfeel to help yes. cut off the edges of the acidity of the lime it's also um was made entirely which we all did in-house, which was fully zested and hand-pressed limes. So, nice. Yep, so everything was hand-zested and pressed in-house going into this mead. So it has a lot of TLC and, yeah. you know, a couple of 
scarred knuckles. <laughs> I was just about to ask how yeah. many knuckles were scarred. Yeah. yeah, lost lost maybe a few layers of skin, but we survived. Yeah. Oh man, but, that's awesome. Yeah, when you drink this, you could tell like the labor of love that went into it because when you think lime and coconut and like a flavor, with, especially like with the meat and how clear this is, it's beautifully clear. See right through it. When you get it on the mouthfeel, like right away, you get the essence of that lime and like. Like, I'm huge into lime. I love lime on everything, but I'm even weird enough to like bite the lime because mm-hmm. I just like that flavor. Yep. That's what it reminds me of, but then you don't get the super harsh acidity like you were talking right. about. And that, for me, when you explain it and to be able to taste it while you're explaining that whole journey is really amazing. I hope everyone could connect if they're able to try this and are able to put those two together because as you were talking about, like that uh, velvety, like silkness of the coconut and the mm-hmm. coconut water plays perfectly and i really enjoy when like we were talking about this too the other time i was down there how marketing of a bottle the name everything comes together it makes the experience that much more elevated and then right. you're willing to rate it higher enjoy it more absolutely so it all comes together we you know i have a belief that m- mostly from the craft cocktail making days that it's you know when you enjoy a drink it's especially something that's a uh, uh you know, cultured and cared for product that it should have an experience. So you should have texture, you should have layers, you should have an opening and a finish and things should be dynamic enough that each sip brings new layers and new experiences as you go deeper into it. And one of the lovely things about meads is since their temperature for serving is very varied, you know, from around 50 to 65 degrees, as it opens up, you get new flavors and new Mm -hmm. nuances that you may not typically warms up and you'll get more of the floral notes that are in the honey the coconut will start to become more prominent and the mouthfeel will increase and so there's a lot to a glass that you have just so much to play with in a single product just by allowing it to open up and change temperature yes. and throughout that it's just something fun to sip on as you get to go through the layers yes definitely so heron i know you're more of our technical guy and you really enjoyed the last meads we had on the show with Jesse when he brought his in. So going into something like this, like how does like your mouth react like on the senses? Like how do you feel drinking this one? Because we forgot to say the ABV, so it's twelve point nine percent. And come on, you wouldn't even guess that. Like no, I would. You're drinking this, I'd be like, man, that's like a nice six, seven percenter. It goes down so easy. So what are your thoughts on it? I always love to hear what you have to say when we go into these different styles. Yeah, so the ABV is dangerous. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very refreshing. You know, when we had Jesse's Mead, it was super refreshing, just very bare bones. This adds a little bit of kind of kind of pizzazz to it. It, it brings out the coconut a little bit. It's yeah. subtle right now because it's a little, I think, colder in my glass. But I think as it opens up, I think I'll get quite a bit more coconut. And it's got quite a bit of lime in there, which is awesome. I enjoy lime. And lime lagers that that, we've had in the past. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like a very organic kind of like lime zest in there too. So you get like a little bit of that bitterness. And it's Mm -hmm. just really, I don't know, it just all together works incredibly. And it it develops over time. So by the time you take the first sip to, I don't know, 30 seconds later, you're getting the whole experience. And that's what you should really kind of, I guess think about when you when you're sipping a mead or sipping anything sipping a cocktail anything really yeah well and Aaron, like you said too there's um you know we always look at our stills with applicability so something like this it 
pairs really well to open up with expressions of different cocktails. So mm-hmm. something like this and some tequila, a splash of fresh orange juice and a pinch of salt will make a Ooh. totally unique margarita Ooh. that's just going to express itself with more depth and more clarity to the lime. And you just end up with those different layers of flavor, which is one of my favorite things to do is as much as I love my products on their own, it's just exciting to take them out and bring them into the wild yeah. and see what you can do with them. So are we getting a sneak peek maybe to some future ideas you might do while at the at the spot? Cause yes, yes. Our yeah. eyes lit up and we're like, oh, you're once talking you, about like once you, once you said you were creating like a margarita <laughs> with this, I was, I was really thinking about that in my head. I was like, man, this would be really good on the rocks. Yeah, like just add some I, was, I was thinking about this. I was like, man, I was like, I hope you still have more bottles at the shop. Because <laughs> I was like, I, I want to mess around with yeah, it. Yeah, like, that it just is. like lit those gears in our head. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I would love to play around with it and even, like try. Uh, even some people like a super simple way to do it is rinse your glass with a little splash of mezcal. Put some Whoa. ice in there. He's the big mezcal yep, guy. Just right? rinse it with some mezcal, a little salt on the rim, some ice, and then pour it over. This mead's not a pretentious beverage, so yeah. it's how the best way you can enjoy it is the Whoa. best way to enjoy it. Okay. So I always think, like, play away, have fun, and we are planning on. Over time, uh, as we come out with new ones, releasing specified cocktail recipes for people to go home and try themselves at their leisure or bring to the parties or to their friends and get to show their product and show their capabilities in a whole new way. Yeah, I feel like that's such a great combination, like marketing and like the development of your brand and business to be able to do that and have people get excited over it because like, I don't know, anyone watching, even on audio, you could probably hear the excitement. It yeah. just gets those gears turning. And we love craft beer. We love everything that, but it's kind of one dimensional. It's like, it's very tough to make like a other beverage with it. And right. you see some applications to where we've had like ice cream mixed in with craft right. beer. Or even shandies and things yeah. of the like. Absolutely. Or, uh, what's the one where you mix the two together? Oh, or cuvées. Cuvées. So yeah. you can take black the two. And yeah. Black yeah. and tans, all that. So just to have another avenue for people getting in. We love, like our saying, that we could find a beer, now mead for anybody. Like there's always something for everybody. And now you're getting in the audience of like cocktails, margaritas, like just people yeah. that want a different experience, but then can mix in some of these craft elements that'd be really cool to see done. And then to hear the experiences, it's just great Absolutely. at parties, sharing it, just shares mm-hmm. your brand. So. Super excited for that. So you know it doesn't need another liquor license or a different type of liquor license that would also pair well with this. Is an espresso kind of limeade deal thing. Oh, so an espresso lemonade is kind of, I don't know, I guess various coffee shops do it. And this is lime and coconut. I think if you throw a little bit of espresso and get the ratios right, you can kind of get like an espresso limeade mead going on. So, so you know what this means, right? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like we're going to just go down there and get a couple more bottles and just start experimenting. you got to see what I it's mean, like. I mean, this sounds like a great idea. I'm down for it. Well, we were talking about experiments, and yeah. we, uh, we have a bunch of really interesting sessions at the meadery. Um, we take them in crowlers to go so you can take them with you and uh, one we currently have right now is called uh, Honey Buzz and it, we use uh, in-house made double strength cold brew using mothership coffee's uh, espresso roast and a little bit of Guatemalan coffee honey and so that with a little flow to that on top of either our pomegranate mead or our raspberry lactose mead makes a really nice surprising depth to the flavors where you have the acidity that little bit of the bite from the coffee so we are 
we play around regularly at the yeah. tap room too. That's we awesome. Nothing, nothing is off limits. It's more yeah, about what can you come up with. That yeah. is that is cool. Speaking about the tap room and like all the different experiences, uh, when we went there, we Gabby and I did the cheese pairing, and you got a cool um, relationship with. Uh, um, forget the name but uh, you got a cool relationship with high-end cheese and with chocolate you want to go ahead and start talking about that because i think that's by far one of the most unique things i've seen out here in vegas for like any breweries or tap rooms or bottle shops absolutely well so what we did is we decided that we wanted to use local as possible first but also we wanted to be able to bring an experience to people um you know everybody knows it's a very simple thing like wine chocolate cheese charcuteries often are a regular pairing you see but we decided to take it to the next level and to have a specifically curated pairing for each one of our still meats um so working with uh, local cheesemongers and and uh, distributors cured in way we were able to find very specific cheeses to pair with each one of our stills and our plan is to continue to do so as we release new still products and just to expand on that so that we find the perfect pairing for each individual item to give you an nth level experience where it's not just this may go with this and this not a generic pairing but more of a specific experience to highlight certain flavors of both the cheeses and the wines as you drink them and uh, even our chocolate pairings which are more just as a fun little snack and kind of a nice way to break up from some of the flavors is uh, all provided by Happy Ending Chocolates here in town. Nice. An array of dark white and milk chocolates that are all unique, fun gourmet flavors that pair nicely with our sparkling meads. So we've been able to establish some great relationships to create a full experience with each visit depending on how much you want or how little we have a different experience for everybody. I think that's like by far one of the coolest things because I mean you can go to places and they have like pairings with like pizza or like certain foods but to have it to where specifically like cheese and chocolate and like it's high-end cheese it's and not it's, like you know, know, it's not curation. like the little size pieces it's actually decent sized pieces of cheese <laughs> yeah. and it's so good like Gabby that's all she talked about Oh my god, this cheese is so good. I was like, Yeah, I know, drink it with the mead. And she's like, Don't just eat the cheese. And then she drank it with the mead. She's like, Oh my god, it just made it so much better. So, like, I gotta say, like, that experience alone is worth it. Oh, thank you, it. thank you. We, you know, it's it's something where I have a lot of experience in fine dining and, and working um, for the restaurants on the strip. So, you know, I understand the importance of creating that memorable moment. Yep. And even if it's just a single cheese with a single meat and you have that aha moment of this is why this is why I'm here and this is yep. this is what it's about, that's all I want is just for people to be able to have that experience without having to go further than their backyard yeah. and come down and be able to enjoy it in a comfortable, relaxing place. Yeah, it's the it shows your expertise and the people are like understanding that you know your knowledge and they came and got a great experience so it just puts everything together uh we're gonna run into the second mead real quick uh, this one's the midnight society this one is gonna have like a nice reddish color to it um almost like a little purple hue to it too you know those uh you know on tv shows where they show them in that like camera room and they're developing the film <laughs> this is the color that it reminds me of like the red room yeah the red. <laughs> But cheers, we'll try this one and then we'll go into so it. Cheers, cheers. Yep, cheers, thank you. And this one's 13.5% ABV. Yeah, so this one is a fun one. It's uh, one of my earliest creations that just evolved over time. Um, 
so the name Midnight Society for those in the age group comes from a children's horror show that used to be on Nickelodeon called yeah. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. And the little group that would meet together to tell the stories were called the Midnight Society. Yeah. Um, so this was my first kind of dark, nightcappy kind of mead, um, something that elicited those deep wood feelings and still kind of summer air as well. So this one here, we have both um, fermented and fresh blueberries in here. So you get subtle wine Pinot Noir notes in a way mm -hmm. uh, from the fermented blueberry. A ton of fresh double bergamot uh, Earl Grey tea. And then it's paired with a Northwestern sage honey uh, based out of Oregon. So it really helps tie together that, that fresh foresty kind of yeah. air to it. Um, with the blueberry allowing the acidity and a little bit of the sweetness to kind of reel in some of the harsher tones from the tea. That is, yeah. you could definitely get the tea fl yeah. flavor on that. And that was one of the things that I, like, I was really looking forward to because I'm, I'm a huge tea guy just as Heron. And I got all my tea knowledge to Heron. He introduced me to um, or the tea guy that we go to. And let me tell you, once I started getting the tea notes on this, I was like, this is, this is, this is gold. Yeah. This is like everything on the bottle that you advertise on there. I taste every single thing in there, and it's delicious. And the note that you were talking about how I think it kind of brings, for us beer drinkers, I like to describe it kind of like grassy and earthy in yes. a way that yes. it's different than in a beer because those are more like actual like green grass notes. But right. in this way, it's more of like a, I don't know, I would call it like an earthy ground. Yes. Like, not dirt, but like that's no, like kind of like that's the what it gives me in my head. Right. But still complements very well with like that blueberry. Like in the beginning, you get a lot of flavor punch right away, mm -hmm. and then you kind of get that tea kind of in the middle, and then the back end is kind of like a grounding experience kind of pun there, but right, you know, the right. ground earthy taste that really rounds it out very nicely. Um, this one, I would say, probably tastes the ABV just a little bit more than the last yes, one because yes. it's more punch to it, a lot more flavor going on. It's not as, like, two different styles, and I know this one's more of that intended, like, having that Earl Grey tea, it's a very strong flavor, yes. and the earthiness. I enjoy it, and I think it is well-rounded. Heron, you're the tea guy, along with Dustin, so I wanna hear your thoughts, because yeah. I know you have some good ones, probably. Yeah, yeah, so Earl Grey is essentially, what, black tea with bergamot, orange, basically, uh, peels. Right, yeah. And Bergamot orange peels can can be kind of I don't know offensive here You don't get any offense whatsoever. They play in such a nice way that like you can close your eyes and picture yourself in like the densest forest That has some dried up trees and some green trees. And it's yep. just like it, it is just so nice It creates a great picture in your mind. It is it is one of those things where its name came from an, you know that that sensation of just being able to transport you kind of and I think if a beverage can do that that's you know really the best thing that a producer and a creator can hope for is to share that experience with other people and have other yes. people take that same trip with you yeah that's yeah it's just it's a honestly a very very uh, you know appreciated remark because it is exactly what we want to do is we want to take you to that place that mm -hmm. that place far away from here just even for a split second and again that's why meat is you know, we treat it as an experience and not just a beverage. We want it to be something that's transformative. Yeah. So I do have a question for you. You mentioned earlier that you tweaked this one a couple of times. Do you know how many times you tweaked it since you like you started? Because you did say this is like one of your older ones. Yeah. It um it's probably about its third transition of recipes um up to what it took. The first one 
was very good, a little thicker, a little more desserty. Um, second one was a little drier, and so I just basically had to balance um, different honeys and the proper gravities for an actually um, either back sweetening or fermenting these to really hit the right point. So it wasn't so much about adding or changing ingredients, but just the measurements and the way they were introduced. Because okay. we do, like I said, we, we do, a, it is a good amount of blueberry, but we put about um, one third of it into the initial, two thirds into the second, so that you get notes of both. And it was a matter of balancing that so that you have the acid and the tan and everything working together in harmony. That is cool, because we've always had a chance to like listen to like everybody how they say oh yeah this is on its second iteration or third but for you to break it down like that that actually gives it a like more in-depth look on it and that i didn't even know beforehand like how you talk about changing it yeah. so I, I really enjoy getting that inside knowledge. yeah because a lot of people don't get to like they just have the finished product right they don't right. get to uh, hear about the journey or get to know the struggles or the challenges that we <laughs> yes. face because there's a lot of like you said, labor of love and the ability to get this exactly how you want it. Cause you have that vision in your head and you know, we've seen it in the beer industry where people push things out a little too soon, you know, cause you have deadlines, you have this and Absolutely. it's tough because of the fact that you have to meet these deadlines and you're trying to serve a bunch of people. But to hear that, like maybe people will be like more understanding and in some places we'll just straight up be like, hey, we can't release this, guys. I'm sorry. Like, we have to push it back. Or, you know, if they announce something. So it just gives people a little bit more appreciation and respect yeah. to the, the, the back end and everything that Absolutely. goes on behind the scenes. So that's why we love doing these series and being able to talk with someone like you. So people could, now that, like, we're really into meat and getting into that journey, it's amazing to be able to talk about it, learn more about it, and appreciate it overall. It's right. exciting. Well, and you know one of the things I think that's really important like when you're approaching meat is that it's very possible the first one you pick up you're not gonna like it's yeah. just a reality of this there's so much diversity within the style of meat that you and it's very deceptive we often have people who come in and they'll say well I don't like anything sweet and that's okay yeah. we have some options that are dry but we still make sure to push a few sweet items onto their tasting boards and more often than not, they'll end up going with the sweeter end than not. And they're like, I can't believe it. And that's why I think a lot of people have had a single experience. And they say, okay, well, I don't like mead because of X. And they don't realize that it's such a versatile product that you can cover so many different flavor profiles that I always say, it's that no, there's not a person I've met who doesn't like mead. They just haven't found the right one yet. Exactly. Right. I love that, it. that kind of sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that we were talking about. Like how we approach our friends. They're like... Oh, we don't like craft beer. Oh, we'll, we'll no, find, we'll find something mm -hmm. for you. There's, like you said, there's a wide spectrum of everything, and once Absolutely. you have a wide spectrum, uh, you can probably find anything. Just Absolutely. narrow it down. Like, process yeah. of elimination. I mean, shoot, how long did it take me to find a craft beer that I actually liked? It took so, like, it took a couple months. Yeah, and I found one, and then and we then, started finding new styles that you like. Yeah, yeah. Now, so like for <laughs> me, gross. it's been like a, it's kind of been like a full circle journey for me because at first I was like, oh, craft beer, nah. And we found one, and I was like, "Oh, okay, craft beer." And they're like, "All right, here's a stout." Ah, uh, no, sorry. Oh, nope. I like stouts. And then meads. It's always been my dirty little secret. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is the wine too, but yeah. Um, so for this one, we'll wrap it up because we'll um, jump into a bite episode where we'll do one of his uh, up and coming meads that will be coming out. We'll be talking about that. Get a little inside look on that. He'll announce when that'll be coming out. So. 
Tom, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. Yes, Everyone, make sure me, to like, follow their pages, check out their content. JB, you yeah. forgot. You uh, forgot the most important thing. We got a new website, fellas. Oh my and God, ladies and everybody. Yeah. It is bruisewth.com. You can find this episode. And he and Tom here is actually gonna have a little special section for him on this episode. So if you want to see what Tom is all about, you can go ahead and check it out at bruisewth.com and all of his socials will be linked in there. Yep, it'll be awesome because we're going to do guest profiles now. It'll be up on the website, so it'll show Deadwood Meadery. It'll sh uh, link to all his stuff and you guys will be able to check it out. Hopefully you guys can go see him in the room, say hi. and Tell him that Bruise with the homie sent you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, guys. Cheers. We appreciate you. See you, you. next time. Cheers. Yeah.